0: Welcome to New Mexico in Focus, the podcast for Monday, May 15th, 2023. I'm Ludovisio. There's a lot going on around the state as we start out the week, so let's get right into the headlines here in New Mexico. New Mexico State University's athletic director is getting some support from Las Cruces area business leaders and athletic boosters. According to reporting from the Las Cruces Sun News, several local business owners spoke up at the university's Board of Regents meeting Thursday, backing AD Mario Mocha. He signed a five-year contract extension last month after the school had canceled the men's basketball season over allegations of sexual harassment and assault. Two former players have since filed a lawsuit against the school, three of their former teammates and two ex-coaches. In that lawsuit, a player's father claims he tried to reach Mocha to discuss the alleged assaults, but says the AD didn't return his calls. That led to the player taking his story to campus police, who have since opened an investigation. That's a criminal probe, focused on whether any laws were broken, and it's separate from the lawsuit. Mocha's extension is also drawing criticism from the NMSU Faculty Senate, which is formally opposing the contract. Gene Grant and our line opinion panelists will discuss that contract extension and the lawsuit against the school coming up in less than 30 minutes here on the podcast. A group of citizens in Edgewood, New Mexico, are organizing a recall petition against the city's recently adopted anti-abortion ordinance. We've talked about the measure on New Mexico in focus after city leaders voted it through last month. Now, a group is working to collect the 242 signatures necessary to spark a special election on the issue. Edgewood became the sixth municipality in New Mexico to adopt an ordinance restricting abortion access, joining the cities of Hobbes, Clovis, and Eunice, along with Lee and Roosevelt counties. All of those measures lean heavily on the federal Comstock Act, which, supporters of these ordinances say bans the sale or transport of any abortion-related medication by mail. Earlier this month, on the show and on the podcast, we explained some of the legal questions surrounding that federal law. At the beginning of the year, Attorney General Raul Torres challenged the first four local ordinances in the state Supreme Court. We'll let you know how that plays out. A new proposal from the Biden administration would allow conservationists to lease and restore federal land. Right now, oil and gas companies can buy extraction leases, and ranchers can lease land to graze cattle. According to reporting from the Associated Press, the administration's plan would allow the purchase of conservation leases meant to offset damage from extraction on public lands by restoring acreage elsewhere. In an interview with the AP, the director of the Bureau of Land Management, says the proposed changes would address rising pressures brought on by climate change and development. She says the Bureau has issued leases in the past for conservation, but only in limited cases, and it's never had a dedicated conservation program. A new advisory council meant to guide reforms at the state's Children, Youth, and Families Department recently held its first meeting. Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham created the advisory body through executive order, she says it will help address some of the long-standing issues within the department, but there's already some skepticism among state lawmakers. Joining Gene Grant on the Line Opinion panel this week are Justine Fox-Young, a Republican former New Mexico state representative, Steve Terrell, a retired reporter who spent decades at the Santa Fe New Mexican, and Democratic former state senator Dee Feldman. Here's Gene. We start this week with a look at a new council
1: appointed to advise the state Children, Youth, and Families Department. Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham created the council through an executive order meant to restructure the department. She's called, quote, dysfunctional. Now, the group held its only scheduled public meeting last week when acting COAFD Secretary Teresa Casados introduced six members. Now, they include a former COAFD secretary, we'll talk about that, a child advocate, a foster care support provider, and more. Now, during Thursday's meeting, each council member explained how their backgrounds will inform their priorities. We'll get in, in, into those priorities as we move through this conversation. But let's start here with the makeup of the group. Senator, let me start with you. Are these the voices CUIFD needs to hear from right now? The makeup of this group. How does it settle in your gut?
2: Well, you know, this commission comes on the heels of a previous commission, Mm -hmm. which actually had a rather wide uh, representation from the community. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one is a little tighter, I think. Although one of the things that interested me was the fact that Sandra Begay, who is a judge in Children's Court, uh, apparently withdrew from uh, from this commission. And one of the recommendations of the previous condi- uh, commission was mm-hmm. that there be more Native American right. involvement um, mm-hmm. and more attention given to placements. Uh, do we know why she withdrew her name? Is there any no. reporting on that? Out I there? do not okay. know. Maybe not somebody hearing. else okay. does, but. Um, I don't know. I mean, there are so many withdrawals, including the secretary that resigned and now is on the commission. Yeah. Um,
3: Once the withdrawal appeared OF the administration, we're at that point. I guess so. (laughs) That's a point. That's a point.
1: Yeah. Um, By the way, uh, I know you know this, but it's Judge Catherine Begay. Catherine Uh, Begay. Right. I know you know that as well. Um, You know, the council doesn't have a timeline in place for any action. Uh, Its only department issued priorities are retaining foster families and employees. And Justine, those are important goals, but you know, given the concerns about accountability within the department, should the council have any specific mandates to get after, or is this just
3: feeling just know. a little loose council here? Council and mandates are like <laughs> oil and water. I guess I'll just back up and say, Please. you know, the problems at this agency are so longstanding and so intractable that I hesitate to sit here and say I have solutions. And so I, I you know, I'm strange, oddly tentative, you know, Gene, but. <laughs> But um, mm-hmm. we always have a council when that's we right. don't have solutions. We always have a, a council right. when nobody wants to be accountable. And I think that's that's where we are. I think yep. this is a missed opportunity for the administration to really lay out some hard plans and, and really look at true reform, which is creating a vacuum and allowing the attorney general and others you know to start looking at okay well what are we really going to do you know maybe on a case-by-case basis Revoltares has said I'm coming in right. you know you, right. you guys can ignore my legislative initiatives the governor can poo poo it I'm going to use my um, you know my authority and come in where I can and address some of these systemic issues of, mm-hmm. of racism mm-hmm. and um, And so I think that's a real missed opportunity for the government, and I think it's really problematic because Mm -hmm. things are being addressed so piecemeal. So I don't think, I don't have high hopes for the commission, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not sure a mandate would get us there, but we we need good leadership. And instead, we have an interim secretary who's not answering questions, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. well, maybe we're gonna have closed door meetings, maybe we'll let you know what we're up to. Uh, That's not a good start.
1: It is kind of the signal, isn't it, of what Justine just mentioned. Some of the meetings are going to be for the public. Some of them are are not. Let me kind of peel back in history, though, Steve Terrell, uh, on Justine's point here. The last advisory board, (laughs) the Enhancing Delivery of Services Steering Committee, that was what the name of it was, finished its work, submitted its recommendation, no discussion about turning them into policy. And what happened was during last week's meeting, a former member of the steering committee spoke up, calling it insulting and disrespectful to disregard the hundreds of hours. That was put in. Does that speak to a disconnection here? Like something's not quite stitched together here.
4: When in doubt, start a committee. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it really, it really does. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that, that, you know, they're not the only agency that's done this through the years. I remember, oh, they're going to have a study and it's going to lay on a shelf, and uh, Mm -hmm. pretty soon someone will just toss it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the whole lack of transparency. I know they had one meeting public. uh, recently, but, uh, you know, that, well, maybe we'll have uh, some more and maybe we'll have, uh, you know, closed door meetings. It seems like, uh, what's going on here? And, and I agree with Justine, complete uh, uh, missed opportunity. Mm-hmm.
1: When you think about it, Senator, um,
4: you know, <laughs>
1: no account, who's, who's the one to put the mandate down? I guess it's, that's my question. If folks are looking for a mandate, it can only come from a couple of folks, right? It can't come from inside the, their, their own body. Do I have that wrong?
2: Well, I mean, there are mandates and there are recommendations and they can come from on high right. or they can come from an outside ombudsman or they can come from the attorney general. Or
3: the mm-hmm. courts can or, say, or the
2: court, right. Or the court, right. uh, which is already active here. And still the change has not come. That has been embedded in the recommendations and the internal mandates. So there really is, it is an intractable um, problem. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, just imagine what it would be like to work for CYFD. Imagine what it would be like to go into somebody's home as a social worker Mm -hmm. and know that the decision that you make is whether that person gets to see their child That's or right. not. No wonder there's a morale problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, no wonder there's every, every committee that meets says there needs to be a culture change. That's right. And the, That's right. that uh, the department needs to have, um, you know, an internal reckoning mm-hmm. about, is this a safe place to work? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a psychologically nurturing Environment within the department. That's right. uh, do caseworkers have enough time? That's right. To handle all the psychological s- cases mm-hmm. and stresses are that there they face. And are there enough well, caseworkers? And right, they've already admitted this. And are we
3: taking on the problems we can really fix? Because some, right, yeah. you know, we tag CYFD with failing every time something happens to a kid. And mm-hmm not always the agency. We
1: buttoned down this transparency thing uh, with you, Justine. Uh, the acting secretary has said that the council members would be empowered to hold public meetings or forums around the state on their own, but no specifics were given. Was that sort of a kick down? Like,
3: yeah, totally up- punting. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah.
3: And, and I don't know why. You know, the governor came out strong with this executive order, mm-hmm. laid out something of an agenda this session. Right. And I, I'm not privy to the details. I don't know where it fell apart, but that. You just can't, you can't start. You're DOA. You can't start right. like that.
1: Right, exactly right. I'm not sure if that answers the issue. Uh, let me go to something else. I'll start with Steve. Three years ago, you might recall, Steve, I know you did, the state settled what's referred to as Kevin's lawsuit, of course, which alleged trauma impacted children in New Mexico foster care lacked safe, appropriate, and stable placements and behavioral health services in the state system. Two court mandated annual reviews followed the settlement. The state received a failing grade each time is there enough urgency to fulfill the court ordered reforms made in Kevin's settlement before we get on to something else
4: i that seems just a, a huge mess just a huge uh cesspool really what 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 if they you know if they the two failing grades in a row right. right and they're heading for a third probably um so uh no i i i'm not sure what needs to be done here but mm-hmm. uh again, they, what they're doing ain't working.
2: Yeah,
1: I apologize, the Kevin S. Settlement. Sorry about yeah. the guy, not Kevin Settlement. My, my fault there. Do you have a thought on that, Senator? Yes. I mean, yeah. um,
2: the thing is that the Kevin S. Settlement, as I understand it, was that the department was supposed to uh, to provide care knowing that it was trauma-induced. Right. This is the right. term now, right. the trauma-induced. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, the department uh, in its um, h- toughest cases, needs support, behavioral health support, mm-hmm. uh, from other agencies, and the services just aren't there, especially for the teenagers, right. uh, who are the real tough cases. They can't even get anybody to house the That's teenagers, right. There's no
1: and so they're
2: now, them. you know, in in homeless shelters. Mm-hmm. AND THAT NEEDS TO BE ADDRESSED, BUT IT'S NOT JUST THAT DEPARTMENT. THERE HAS TO BE HELP uh, IN TERMS OF BEHAVIORAL HEALTH uh, SERVICES um, AND uh, OTHER BACKUP HOUSING OPTIONS FOR THIS POPULATION. SO THE DEPARTMENT HAS GOT TO WORK WITH OTHERS. AND I DO, I HAVE HEARD THE, um, TERESA CASADO'S TALK ABOUT THAT AND HOW SHE WANTS CYFD TO um, FEEL THAT ba- they that OTHER AGENCIES HAVE THEIR BACKS. Gotcha.
3: AND I THINK BEFORE YOU CAN REALLY DO THAT, THE ADMINISTRATION HAS TO AIR ALL THOSE GORY DETAILS. I MEAN, THAT'S mm-hmm. WHAT AN EXECUTIVE mm-hmm.
2: ORDER SHOULD SAY. Yeah. IT SHOULD SAY, right. WE DON'T WANT ANY
3: TEENAGERS IN HOUSING SHELTERS, that's IN right. home- HOMELESS SHELTERS. I MEAN, THAT'S, WE'RE GOING TO END THAT THIS YEAR. Mm-hmm. YOU KNOW, BUT NOBODY WANTS TO TALK ABOUT IT.
1: Mm-hmm. ONE um, MORE THING BEFORE WE GET OUT OF THE SUBJECT. THE GOVERNOR, AS YOU uh, FOLKS REMEMBER, POCKET VETOED A BILL THAT WOULD HAVE CREATED A NEW, a new CIVIL RIGHTS DIVISION. Uh, to sue the state on behalf of children, quote, harmed by government neglect and incompetence, end quote. Instead of giving the AG that authority, the governor created this council, which is how we start this conversation. So
3: this is Raul Torres' initiative. That's right.
1: That's right. What does that say about the administration's commitment to the well-being of the state? That seems like a reasonable step for to a lot of people. What do you think about that? What, what Mr. Torres wants? I
3: don't know that I know enough to have a position about okay. what whether another office is going to fix it. But I do mm-hmm. think. Um, it was not well orchestrated and mm-hmm. I did not hear the governor articulating a clear position right. as to why she opposed it. Now she pocket vetoed the bill. Right. She never put out any message. Right. And so it sure looks bad. and you've got you got Mr. Torres, you've got mm-hmm. the AG. I think sincerely you know looking to attack this problem and which is unusual. Mm-hmm. You know and mm-hmm. this is a problem that doesn't always sit front and center That's in right. the press. Right. So I think again, it's a missed
2: opportunity. That's I right. mean,
1: are the agencies rolling in the same direction here? Or are they rolling against each other, going in a circle? I mean, Mr. Torres that's a reasonable request, it would seem.
2: Well, I mean, and it was uh, the idea that there has to be some sort of outside oversight, some sort of grievance procedure mm-hmm. that is not just going back to the department is those that was in all the recommendations right. from these other uh, from these other commissions thank
1: you for saying and, that and
2: you know the legislature also turned down a lot of the uh, recommendations yeah. of these commissions too it wasn't just the governor vetoing that um that civil rights uh divi- section mm-hmm. there but were it 30 was 30
3: legislative proposals i
2: i don't know but they had a proposal for an outside ombudsman that was turned That's down right. yeah. they had a proposal From representative Marion Matthews for increased transparency and that was turned down by the legislature Mm -hmm. so I don't know exactly uh, what recourse there is right now
1: right it's a good point let's finish with this Steve what access does the department owe to foster parents meaning in the in this you know youth care other stakeholders in the equation what do we
4: owe these people apparently a lot of them are owed a lot of money well, there you go <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they there. haven't received uh um no they they definitely uh, should have a seat at the table and uh, uh you know they're they're directly affected
1: yeah same uh, senator I same agree. thing what, what i do we totally agree yeah.
2: and i i don't know whether the uh current commission has a foster family in there or as part of their members, I think the other one did, okay. um, but it seems to me that there's a former foster child that's part of the uh, part of right, the commission, I see. but not a, a current uh, foster family. That's interesting.
1: Does that make a difference in your mind?
2: Well, you know, it's foster families are where it's at. Yeah. I mean, that's that's who we're relying on to yeah. take care. The holding of
3: payment and ignoring their <laughs> grievances is not a great recruitment strategy. <laughs> it's a hard job. <laughs> that's too.
2: right. Yeah. Good yeah.
1: last point there yeah. from Justine.
0: We're getting ready for a decision from the state Supreme Court that would reopen a proposed merger involving the state's largest electric utility. In our next segment, Gene gives an update on where the case stands and asks the panel if approving the merger would be in the best interest of the public.
1: Welcome back to our line of opinion panelists. The revamped State Public Regulation Commission could soon have to reconsider a proposed merger between the state's largest electric utility, you knew who that is, that's PM, and international energy company AVENGRID. Now the state Supreme Court will decide whether to send the merger back to this new three-member PRC for reconsideration. And if that happens, one of those three commissioners has already recused himself from any discussions or decisions related to the merger. Patrick O'Connell. Made that decision in January. Now he had previously served as a policy analyst for Western resource advocates and gave sworn testimony in support of stipulations for the merger. He also worked in various roles for PM from 99 to 2019. So voters used to choose five PRC commissioners, they might, might recall. Now the governor appoints three, and Steve, that means fewer prospectors involved, especially with Mr. O'Connell's recusal. What does the new setup of the commission do? for public trust. Should we feel better about this?
4: I don't know. You know, I I supported the move. I voted for the move to uh, mm-hmm. uh, have it appointed by the governor, because uh, the PRC had a, a long legacy of electing bozos, basically, <laughs> and uh, a, a lot of... Uh, uh, and ninety-five
1: uh, grand a year, you know, Yeah, attracted and attracted
4: uh, a lot of uh <laughs> Cases uh, where uh, you know ex parte communications with PNM and others, and uh, mm-hmm. so the, that's their heritage. I thought, well, this will make it better, and now I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And you know, they, if there is a tie, I don't know what happens if there's a tie vote. I suspect there won't be. Right. <laughs> and the optics of that is just terrible.
1: Right. Uh, Was this not discussed in certain circles before we went to this? Style
4: did we all get bamboozled here? is that what you're saying or i'm not sure uh and some people warned uh yeah the, yeah. the, the governor just appoint cronies and stuff and I'm not saying that's what happened here mm-hmm. but uh you know is if if they uh just go and vote against the p r c this new unelected commission mm-hmm. and they go and vote against this uh, uh decision from uh was it last year or before yeah uh, the, 2021. uh yeah, yeah they, uh mm-hmm. It's going to look bad, and yeah. uh, you know it, it just doesn't quite pass the smell test. And uh.
1: what you, Steve makes a good point here. How should we consider that the previous commission unanimously voted down this merger, voted it down, cited Avangrid's poor performance record in the Northeast, questionable corporate practices as the main reasons. The utility appealed, of course, as Steve mentioned or uh, alluded to there. Uh, ruling a month later, but in March of this year, the new PRC commissioners joined with the OZ, U, utilities to ask the Supreme Court to dismiss the appeal, kick the case back to the PRC for reconsideration. What are we doing here? That's just, my question here. It this just is really looks
2: bad. Yeah, it just really looks bad. It's it's been a tragedy of errors, I think, uh, from the very beginning. Uh, the um, the popular vote, the amendment uh, that was passed in 2020 was passed on the basis, like Steve said, that the previous commission was unprofessional. They were bozos. They didn't know what they were doing. Well, upon further investigation, um, that election uh, was uh, investigated by the Ethics Commission, mm-hmm. and uh, the, it was found that the people putting out all this information about how unprofessional, and we need a professional approach, was paid for by Exxon. That's right. Um, That's and right. so then we had the, um, the appointment of the, of the new commission, which, in which the Speaker of the House appointed himself yep to be a part of the selection process. Then the new commission was selected, and one of the members was uh, immediately found not to be qualified, had to remove himself from there, and then a new one was appointed immediately by the governor. And it looks, it looks very much like the train is on the tracks for these new decision makers to uh, overturn the decision that was made earlier um, and to to do so rather quickly right. uh, without much pu- uh, public I- input. Although I think that that is a hope, that if the court remands it back to the PRC, right. there will be public input That's because right. without it, we will be, uh, I think, victims of the biggest PR uh, shuffle uh, that we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Senator,
1: what does this new commission see in the deal that their predecessors didn't? I, I just—that's the confusing part here.
2: I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I, d- I. don't know. I mean, the. Um, it's it's normal for those that uh, for a utility, I think, that receives a negative opinion from the PRC to take it to court. Sure. Yeah. Um, what is what is not normal is for the um, for the commission then to join with the plaintiffs right. in the uh, and and ask the court to overturn a previous decision. Mm-hmm. That's really that's really unusual.
1: Mm-hmm. Good points there, uh, Justine. New allegations of misconduct surrounding the merger after recent disclosure of ex parte communications. Here we go again between PRC commissioners and attorneys for those utilities. First of all, for the folks, what is ex parte for communications? Let's explain that first in this context and why they're problematic. So ex parte
3: Mm -hmm. was outside the commission process, Mm -hmm. and it sounds like the lawyers from the utilities were talking to the lawyers from the PRC. I think there's so much scrutiny and paranoia, you know, not wrongfully, um, and skepticism for a few reasons Mm -hmm. going back, and that is that as part of this merger, or this attempted merger, the Shareholders of p and spent a ton of money on a huge advertising campaign, mm-hmm. and that was you know, 24 hours a day on TV and in the paper, et cetera. Instead of coming forward and saying, hey, we are proposing rate reductions. We're going to take this money and propose rate reductions. This is consumer friendly. They kicked and screamed in terms of every concession. So you know, separation of the companies, no self-serving transactions, rate reductions. Mm-hmm. When you already have consumer bases across the country screaming that Avangrid is a terror, and then you have PNM, you know, re- refusing to make these concessions up front, I think there is a long history of skepticism about this deal, and so, so that's a problem. I, I'm not so worried about the ex parte communications because this, these are lawyers talking about how they're going to proceed in this case, whether or not it was a good PR decision or good policy for the the commission to join—that's a separate question. But but it, it's unusual, and um, mm-hmm. and I think there, there's skepticism for that reason. Because at the end of the day, we want to see consumers paying lower rates, right. and and P right. w- blew a bunch of money yeah. trying to sell this deal right. to to the public.
1: Interesting points there. I want to f- got a couple of follow-ups on your uh, rant there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a right. It it <laughs> so <laughs> that yeah, was it
2: was, that was a
1: capital R rant. I loved it absolutely. Um, do these one-sided communications automatically amount to a, a violation of public trust here Steve or are we watching this too closely ARE consumers watching this as closely?
4: Probably most consumers don't care. Yeah. Uh, but uh, those of us well, familiar, the with THEIR bill says at the end. That's go. right. Yeah. 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 I had a high bill last time. It was, uh, mm. But uh Thanks for the reminder. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it just mm-hmm. it just looks bad. It's it's just the optics, and, uh, and and the missed opportunities here, and um, you know it's it just seems like uh, you know this is just P and M trying to pull another one. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, Don't you guys think with all this, they should start with a new proposal if it comes back to the PRC well, and and really take well, on that's
2: what they say they're going to do. That's yeah. what Avangrid's point is. Mm-hmm. Is if it goes back to the PRC. They have new proposals. They have new benefits for New Mexico that You're they're skeptical. going to that they're going to that they're going to pre- be <clears throat> presenting if this is actually reopened and not just reheard or reconsidered. That's right. Uh, which is what they're arguing about more recently. Mm-hmm.
1: Dee Dee, what do you make of this? Uh, another little layer of weirdness here, guys, on this story. We have the nonprofit organization New Energy Economy. We're all familiar with with those folks. But we've got <laughs> accusations they've rolled out. You know, they have an agenda. Let's get serious here. But very few of the facts they've rolled out in opposition have been challenged. That changed last week, as you might have heard, when Alvin Grin sent a cease and desist letter to NEE accusing the, exec- the ED of defamation when she said during an interview that Alvin Grin and its Spanish parent company literally have bought out judges, bribed judges, end quote.
3: We're we getting a taste of how it'll be in the future. Right? Is that what we're hearing
1: <laughs> here? Is this, really is this, this is? how the court case is going to go? These kind of bombs being thrown? <clears throat> wow! Senator, what do you know. make of that? Well, That's I amazing. I mean, and
2: then and then they then they throw a bomb back and think, what? oh, she's a socialist. She <laughs> wants a government takeover of uh, of utilities. So I mean, yeah, welcome to New Mexico. Well, what's the public supposed
1: to make out of this if we got a you know it's, brass it's, knuckle fight going on here with these people?
2: Well, it's it's just a uh, It's just another saga in the PRC Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. from the very beginning uh, when it was established in, I guess it was 1999 or so. Um, it was uh, it was established as an elected body. Remember, because they didn't think that the, the three member uh, mm-hmm. corporation commission and public uh, regulate public utility yeah, corporation. Right. I that's guess right. it was called. Yep. They didn't think that there was enough public input, yep. and it was just done behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Then we got the then we got the elected PRC.
1: That's right. Well, I have a question on that. That's right. That's right. Uh, Just to finish with this, Steve, it's interesting uh, to me. Earlier the year, the governor uh, she announced she'd create a tribal advisory council that would make non-binding recommendations to the PRC. And this came about after tribal members were passed over, you know, for that three-member commission. Is this a a appropriate make good? Is this going to be just window dressing? What are we looking at here with these kind of you know, tribal perspective is pretty important on this merger. You would think this would be a, a louder voice here.
4: Well, like we were talking about earlier, <laughs> another topic: uh, when in doubt, form a committee. And uh, it's—I uh, I see it as window dressing. Yeah. And you know, they—they're perfect. They'd be within their right uh, to uh, just totally ignore anything this council or this committee comes up with. Right. And they, they don't have any real power, and they could. Um, have another one of these studies laying on top of the others and nobody ever That's reads. Right. That's right. Don't
1: forget, Justine, three indigenous groups sued the state, you know what I mean, over the restructuring of the PRC and the and the court ruled in favor of the state. So again, where does that leave tribes in this conversation? It LEAVES THEM
3: out. Yeah. And and the governor has not been vocal on that or on, on the merger. Mm-hmm. I mean I don't I don't haven't seen any official position. This is a huge deal for the state.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um mm-hmm. I think we need to hear from her. Yeah.
1: DD PRC says it will reopen public meetings on the merger if the Supreme Court sends the case back to the commission. Why can't they just agree to do that? Why does it have to be an if (laughs) if it gets kicked back? That's so crazy.
2: Well, it's closed. It's closed closed now. Mm -hmm. It's it's been turned down uh, as we speak. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, but just getting back to the other thing about the Native Americans, I mean, mm-hmm. the Native Americans are the ones that works at the power plants right. um, in, the, in the Four Corners area. Mm-hmm. And um, the, they're the ones that have a lot of the resources that um, are, are no longer being used mm-hmm. for coal-fired generations. So, you know, they, have, they certainly have a stake in this right. and they're not, they're not given an official one
1: Oh, the PRC, what a journey. Going back, remember the original map with the pie-shaped districts that all kind of dovetailed into the Albuquerque area? It was like the craziest thing in the world, and here we are, still arguing, years
0: later. Two former New Mexico State University basketball players are speaking up about alleged sexual harassment, assault, and intimidation on the team. In our final segment of the podcast this week, Gene asks our line opinion panelists if university officials are being held accountable. Now, back to the line. New Mexico
1: State University is back in the national headlines this week after a report from ESPN detailing alleged harassment, sexual assault, and intimidation on the men's basketball team. It's just the latest in a series of scandals surrounding the team that started last December when police say NMSU player Mike Peek shot and killed UNM student Brandon Travis on campus here in Albuquerque. The TEAM KEPT PLAYING FOR THREE MORE MONTHS, BUT THINGS FELL APART IN FEBRUARY AFTER ALLEGATIONS SURFACED ABOUT THREE PLAYERS GANGING UP ON A TEAMMATE AND WHAT POLICE SAY INCLUDED A POSSIBLE INCIDENT OF CRIMINAL SEXUAL CONTACT. Now, CHANCELLOR DAN Arvizu CANCELED THE SEASON SHORTLY AFTERWARDS AND THEN CAME THE LAWSUITS. MR. ARVISO RESIGNED IN APRIL, ONE MONTH AFTER FIRING HEAD BASKETBALL COACH GREG Heyer. BUT THE SAME DAY, MR. ARVISO STEPPED DOWN FROM THE UNIVERSITY, RESIGNED ATHLETIC DIRECTOR MARIO Mocha TO A FIVE-YEAR CONTRACT EXTENSION. NOW, STEVE, LET ME ASK YOU THIS. HOW DOES AN AD SURVIVE THAT MANY BLACK GUYS IN THAT SHORT A SPACE OF TIME? THIS IS AN AMAZING CIRCUMSTANCE WHEN YOU THINK ABOUT IT.
4: THIS IS GROUNDBREAKING. YEAH, Mm -hmm. Uh, IT'S JUST REALLY IS AMAZING. uh, uh, THE WHOLE THING JUST SEEMS like ROTTEN TO THE CORE THERE. I THINK THEY NEED A PRETTY BIG OVERHAUL DOWN THERE.
1: It's, um, uh, lawsuits the way to do it? Is this what we're down to? No one seems to want to do the right thing before the lawsuit gets thrown on the table.
4: Yeah, that's, uh, I I don't see what else they could do at this Mm -hmm. point because nothing else is happening.
1: Right. Um, Dee, one of the allegations in the lawsuit was that one of the players' father tried to reach... Uh, Mr. Mochia, Mochia, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name to discuss the alleged assaults, but the AD did not return the calls. Yeah, that's an amazing thing to me. Yeah, trying
2: to hear from a parent. Yes, that's right. Wow. And um, even worse than the hazing and the and the sexual assault is the um, the coaches ignoring it, and uh, and and others ignoring it as well. It really looks like you know. Uh, um, a witch's cauldron down there Mm -hmm. uh, with sort of inner, uh, uh, I don't know, some sort of a cover-up kind of mentality that's going on that that seems to have no end.
1: Accountability is a big theme at our table tonight, all the subjects we're talking about. And Justine... I just got to ask, I mean, does the contract extension now bring into question the decision-making of the Board of Regents? Has there been enough accountability?
3: Well, I think it probably does, and, yeah. I, and I think Dee Dee's right. Um, the cover-up is always worse, and I think we're going to find out there's a lot more than we even know about. I right. mean, I, I don't have any specialized knowledge about sports, Division One sports or mm-hmm. sports in New Mexico, but just sitting where I do, this goes back way before that shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there were problems on the football team several years ago with those two African-American coaches getting fired, the racial epithets, yep. nothing was done, as That's far right. as I could tell. That's right. um, you know, you had serious fights, brutal, brutalization on the the basketball team, nothing was done. You had this fight at the football game. All this could have been anticipated. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe not specifically, but I'm pretty sure that this athletic director had to have been ignoring a lot of complaints for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, I, and I, I'm not saying this is a Rick Patino situation. But you can't have this much going on and coaches f- failing these kids for right. this long right. and in such a widespread way without yeah. the whole administration knowing. And yeah, I think the regents have to be accountable. Yeah. Um, and so now we end up at this point, Gene. And I just, mm-hmm. you know, talking about failing the kids, this kid, well, I guess they're adults, but mm-hmm. this, this student um, who's, who's made these allegations, he's a Las Cruces kid. Playing Division One basketball. That's right. What does the school do? What does the coach do? What does the A.D. do? What do the Regents do? They tell them, uh, apparently, you need to transfer. Right. Not, we're going to make this right. We are going to send a message, not only to you, mm-hmm. um, and this has upended your life, but to to the whole community that this isn't going to be tolerated. No, we don't do that. We tell the kid. This is just how we do it at NMSU. And I find that to be the most appalling fact of all. That's well well put there.
1: Uh, Steve, a very telling quote here NMSU's Vice Chair of Faculty Senate. Uh, This is uh, uh, in relation to the crazy raise we're going to talk about here. Quote, because there's so much churn in our upper administration, we never get to the point of hammering out who is actually accountable for upholding policies, end quote. That's very telling. You can't
4: have churn
1: and have policies being made.
4: That's right. It's uh, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, uh, Did he mentioned the witches' coven? I don't. I don't think we can blame oh, the witches on this AD one. The
3: whole time, this yeah. athletic director oversaw all of this. So right. while there may be some truth to that, mm-hmm. it, the buck stops there. How do we How
1: do we How do we factor in guys? The letter from from the faculty that's now been distributed, and they're having a big problem with the raise and how it came down. You know, this man gets an extension given to him on the last day of somebody going out the door a senator it just doesn't feel good to people when you think about this if you were faculty in the business of teaching students to go out in the world and be productive citizens you're seeing this whole sports meltdown Wouldn't you call for an end of sports at some point and yes. say we need to get you know? yes
2: if i was a faculty member there i would be outraged right. of course i would be outraged even before the scandal to know that athletic directors and coaches get hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, in compensation, and mm-hmm. I get seventy thousand or sixty thousand, right. and I'm teaching kids some of the, uh, the, the the basics of what we think higher education should do. I mean, the whole thing does bring into question the mm-hmm. larger uh, matter of are we overdoing the competition and the sports and the violence and the entertainment mm-hmm. and 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 downgrading the actual educational process which often involves um, you know, cooperation, collaboration, um, learning, right. uh, telling right. the truth, um, and uh, it, it's... School of Higher Education, that's what you're talking about. I mean, uh, That's what we pay the state dollars right. to do. That's right. Um, and that's what we promise our children, that's right. um, and this promise has been broken. Yep.
1: Um, One of our regular panelists, as you all know, Dan Foley, of course, you've served with Dan in the past. He has a, ch- uh, a son who played football down there. And it's interesting the points of view he brings up, Steve, that, you know, there's a, like a lot of lawsuits always floating around. And what that does to potential recruits, who would want to go there? You see what I mean here? If you were an oh, athlete, exactly. why would
4: yeah. you want to go there? Exactly. Yeah. And it's just. Uh, if you were an
3: honorable coach, why would you want to go there? Right. I mean, exactly. Right. Yeah. Why would you be yeah. caught if, in
4: this? Just, um, I don't know what they're looking for. Uh, and uh, the basketball uh, team is, you know, they mm-hmm. had to c- cancel. And, who KNOWS WHEN IT'S COMING BACK. AND yeah. Uh, yeah. SO, um, YEAH, I, I AGREE WITH YOU, Dee. Dee. I, I THINK THAT uh, THIS, uh, mm-hmm. the, THE WHOLE, THE WHOLE SHEBANG JUST seem, SEEMS ROTTEN TO THE LET core. ME THROW
1: THIS IN AS WELL, GUYS. Uh, IT'S NOT THE ONLY LAWSUIT AGAINST THE SCHOOL. YOU MIGHT RECALL LAST YEAR, a JANE DOE ALLEGED THAT A LONGTIME PROFESSOR WITH TIES TO THE ATHLETIC DEPARTMENT, QUOTE, HARASSED AND GROOMED FEMALE STUDENTS FOR YEARS? COERCING THEM INTO SEXUAL RELATIONS AND BRAGGING ABOUT THE SAME, END QUOTE. ALL THE WHILE SCHOOL OFFICIALS LOOK THE OTHER WAY. THE PLAINTIFF ALLEGES SHE WAS SEXUALLY ASSAULTED BY THE PROFESSOR. IF THESE INCIDENTS, uh, SENATOR, WERE ALLOWED TO HAPPEN ON TOP OF EVERYTHING ELSE THAT WE'RE TALKING ABOUT HERE, SHOULD WE BE ASKING HOW DEEP THESE PROBLEMS RUN? I MEAN, AGAIN, KIND OF ASKING THE SAME QUESTION OVER AND OVER, HOW DO WE DIG DOWN TO THE BOTTOM OF THIS AND UPROOT ALL OF THIS IF WE'VE GOT JANE DOES OF THESE KIND OF LAWSUITS AS WELL?
2: Well, and before the lawsuits, there must have been other whistleblowers. That's right. Um, and I That's noticed right. that one of the complaints was that these whistleblowers were, have been suppressed yes. as well. That's right. Um, and you know, it's, it's not just NMSU, it's also Eastern. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eastern has had a incident like this recently mm-hmm. revealed through a lawsuit Cause the about women's basketball players. the women's yeah. basketball coach's mm-hmm. husband, she, she sent them to him, to him for therapy that was really a sexual, a sexual, sexual assault, right. um, and so there's a lawsuit there as well. Um, so it's, it's a big problem if it's not addressed quickly and if it's not... If the regents and the and the um, administration doesn't deal with it, I mean, there's going to be ah, no choice. On your yeah. point there about
1: the administration, I think it's a very interesting point there. Um, the governor, as you know, um, filed a anti hazing legislation. I guess Justine, we can call it. I'm not quite sure. What it's designed to do is this a policy issue? No, I mean what was
3: done. Right. If if the allegations are true, what was done was illegal. I don't right. think we. I don't think the solution is another statute. Right. Um, right. We just need to open our eyes to what's happening mm-hmm.
1: there. And, and you know, but let's let's stay on this for a quick second. Again, is this an, another reason to just I'm be incendiary here? Uh, burn it to the ground and just start over? I mean, Division One stuff. We, NFSU sells themselves around the country to powerhouse sports teams to get paid big money to get beaten up on. You know what I mean? It's just For a lot of people, it's just it's unseemly. It's not a
3: good way to yeah. kind of do sport here. I think it's a good mm-hmm. time, and you know, Dede points out at the end of the day, there's taxpayer dollars going into this public institution that's mm-hmm. a school of higher learning. It's a good time to assess what return we're getting. Let me, let
1: me throw this on the table then. We do not have a unified upper education system like California does. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that the answer, Senator? Uh, perhaps to get this tied a little bit closer, more accountability with a unified system with our schools possibly?
2: Well, well that's a big question. I yeah. mean, that's a bigger question than just the athletic departments. Right. It's, a, it's, a, it's a question of like um, the state getting the biggest bang f- for its buck in terms of higher education. That's right. Um, and not having the proliferation of branch colleges, community colleges, uh, mm-hmm. universities, that mm-hmm. each have their own regions, each have their own athletic department, each have their own. It's cost Maybe, the are state. are not viable. Yeah, which mm-hmm. may not be viable. But you can't tell that to the small communities right. because it's like removing their hospital. These are jobs. These are identity. These are. So I, you know, I, I think it would help in, in terms of setting the standards for what is not permissible. Um, right. and, and maybe if there were hazing standards, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're one of, of six states that doesn't have a hazing law. And, and I agree with Justine, most of this stuff is against the law. Right. It right. is sexual assault That's right. or it is rape yeah. um, or it is battery. Um, so, but you know, it's it's interesting that we we are one of six states that don't don't have. A it reminds me of
4: the cockfighting situation a few years ago, uh, when uh, we were like the, one of two states that didn't have anti cockfighting. Uh, I, I agree that's not going to solve everything, but uh, I don't think it would be bad to have those uh, that law.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me finish. To be fair to the governor, she also said it, it is the responsibility of higher ed leadership and governing boards. To establish a safe, healthy environment for students. And I'm incredibly disappointed that it does not appear to be a priority at some of the state's public colleges and universities. End quote. Didn't quite name NMSU there, but fair point. Does that feel like it? she's getting.? A
3: very controversial statement that she really put herself out there in terms of how to fix right, it. Right,
1: <laughs> right. Maybe she should say a thing about state. Who knows? Thanks again to this brilliant panel. Uh, be sure to let us know what you think about any of the topics to the line covered on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages, and catch any episodes you may have missed the pbs app
0: your roku or smart tv thanks to everyone who contributed to the podcast this week and as always thank you for listening keep an eye on our social media pages that's facebook twitter instagram and youtube throughout the week we'll be posting updates and other news items leading up to our show on friday night Thanks again, everyone. I'm senior producer Lou DeVizio from Monday, May 15th, 2023. This is New Mexico in Focus, the podcast. Have a great week, everyone.